with. So, Friends, I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. Uh, Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, this is the very end of the letter. Um, we have taken a slow and soulful approach through going through this letter um, steadily in smaller bite-sized pieces instead of bigger chunks where there's just too much um, to be able to dig into. So I invite you to open your Bibles um, to Ephesians 6, just that last little section, those last few verses. And this will conclude our sermon series on Ephesians today. Um, one good note of that, um, on, on my way up here, um, Elder Joe Moss uh, just told me to make it a really good sermon before leaving on vacation. So um, I told Joe, there's two ways to look at it. If this is a good sermon, then you're like, all right, that was a good note to end on. And if it's not a great sermon, then you'd be like, Pastor Stephen needs vacation. Like, get him out of here. Like, don't bring him back up yet. Um, but uh, one thing just to look forward to next week, um, um, Caitlin and I are leaving for Iowa. We've got a family get-together um, this coming Saturday. And about the time that we are headed back to Michigan, Pastor Audrey will be heading out um, to her brother-in-law's wedding. And so um, next week, Sunday, we have um, our friend Daniel, who is a missionary in China. Um, more about him will be printed in the bulletin. We also keep uh, just some details slim and uh, close to the chest for the online uh, viewing. Uh, but we look forward to having uh, Daniel preach with us next week, uh, both as he brings the word and also just to hear more about the work that he is doing and is eagerly praying um, that he can get his invitation letter and visa to get back to China. Um, so that will be next week. But today we take our final time to sit with Ephesians. And before we read God's word together, we're going to pray for God's blessing upon the word, this invitation um, for God to draw near to us through the scriptures. Let's pray. God, open your word to us. We know that you tell us that it is living and active. We ask that you make it so this morning, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these words, whether they be ink on paper or pixels on a screen, that it may be your spirit that speaks to us through the word. And God, as you speak, may we listen, not just with our physical ears, but re regardless of how we listen or when we listen, may we always be listening to you with our hearts. For every word that comes from scripture, from every word from a neighbor that we are to judge and weigh, may we receive it with your Holy Spirit for wisdom and blessing. Bless these final words of Ephesians to us at North Holland this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love from faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of all of the closings of a letter, that 
just punchline wording is so, so good in Ephesians. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This past week at staff, um, we sat down with this text and for devotions that morning or that afternoon, we read just these same verses that we just read now and we let them sit with us. We paid attention and we, as, as our, our invitation often is, to listen for something that's agreeable or encouraging or maybe bothersome or troubling or where else in scripture do we hear this? I call the agreeable, bothersome, or elsewhere in scripture, ABS, a flexing of your theological abs. Is it agreeable, bothersome, or where else does the Bible talk about this? And so we, we read these verses, and then we sat in the chapel in brief silence, letting these words about Christ's undying love and grace and peace be with you to settle into our souls. And then after a time of silence, the question is asked, you know, what, what do you notice? What stands out to you? And after a little bit of time, the first thing that was said was, Tychicus, that would be a great name for a cat. And we laughed because, yes, our life just really is that good. Tychicus, what a great cat name. Um, to which the, the Holy Spirit was moving because the first, well, I won't even tell you who said it first. And then there was an agreement, yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing. And then to one more, yeah, that would be a really good cat name. And so maybe if you're looking for another cat, um, Tim Karsten's, you know, trepidatiously worried now. Um, uh, maybe if you're looking for another cat, Tychicus would be a great cat name, right? Uh, this was the first thing that stood out to us as a staff as we sat with God's word. But it is a great cat name, isn't it? Because it's so, I don't know, calm and non-assuming. After we spend time reading these letters written by the Apostle Paul, the, the super missionary, the gospel-spreading extraordinaire of the early church, we can't even imagine what it would be like to be Paul, to, to go on these travels and, and the, the prisons, the, being imprisoned and shipwrecked and fleeing for his life. And we get all of the stuff about the Apostle Paul. And I don't know about you, but I think, man, that, that doesn't seem like me. And then at the closing of a letter like Ephesians and in just a couple other places, we get mention of this Tychicus character, ever so relatable so normal sounding. The name might not be familiar, but, but to us it sounds calm and soothing. Tychicus is a relatable character. And, and maybe the task that Tychicus was given by the Apostle Paul, by the missionary extraordinaire, Tychicus is given this task to share more of what's going on with Paul. And for all of this, that he may encourage you. I don't know about you, but I am really grateful that God does not send us out by ourselves, but that even the Apostle Paul was surrounded by people like Tychicus, that when Paul was in prison from where he wrote this letter, he had people like Tychicus because there was no food service in prisons back then. You had to be fed and visited by people from the outside. And Tychicus would undoubtedly be one of those people who knows how Paul is doing, who knows what's going on with him, who has been present with him and feeding him and caring for him. And it is Tychicus who is sent with this mission to encourage 
the brothers and sisters in Ephesus. Tychicus, this relatable character that maybe we can't imagine ever being a Paul, but all of us could try on what it would be like to be a Tychicus, an encourager. Not only do we believe that Scripture is inspired, that the Holy Spirit was up to something special when Paul was writing this letter down to send it to the church in Ephesus, but I also think that the events happening around it were inspired, that, that in this moment in time, when Paul was writing what we know as the letter to the Ephesians, that God was setting the table for what else was happening in that moment. That there was a church that needed someone to encourage them. That there was a Tychicus who was with Paul who could report to him. And that also that, that the table was set that for all of the time that Paul spends writing, that, that he gave us these takeaways that he didn't have to spend a lot of time about how he was doing or if he was okay, because that's what Tychicus is going to offer. Paul instead can focus his time writing to the church in Ephesus, talking about the gospel, telling them in Ephesians 2 that it is by grace that you have been saved, and this is a gift of faith, not of yourselves, so that no one can boast. It is a gift that Paul could write in Ephesians 4, as Pastor Audrey mentioned in Confession and Assurance, that we are one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, united by one Holy Spirit, that the Apostle Paul could spend his time writing in detail the theology of the gospel in this letter that we have steadily moved through. And for all the other things that people in Ephesus would be wondering, how is Paul doing? Is he okay? That's where Tychicus can share the rest. God had set the table and surrounded even Paul because we all need a communion of saints around us if we seek to be faithful to the gospel and faithful in ministering. The table was set. And we are given just this brief mention. People in Ephesus knew who Tychicus was. We don't really know much. And yet, this was a key player in the gospel mission, a companion of Paul and the other missionaries. He's sent to do what? To encourage. The, the teaching and preaching are already contained in the letter. The, the gospel has been articulated and reinforced, and, and we've tried to open up a little bit of in this book, what does the gospel mean for us, that we can sit with God's grace, that we can walk in God's ways in our family life and in our homes, and that we can stand wearing the armor of God when the day of temptation and trial comes. And Tychicus will encourage you. I wonder if our understanding of encouragement is the same as what we find in the Bible. Here's what I mean. I do think it matters to say nice things to people. Yes, but that's only part of what encouragement really is. It's not just to say something nice or friendly, although I think that's a good start, but rather encourage is to build up the heart to truly know and see someone. Not just to tell them they have a nice shirt because they do have a nice shirt, but to see who they are, to encourage them that, that it's not just the external compliments, but that encouragement, the Tychicus type of encouragement is to build someone up to, from Latin of cur for heart, to build up their heart. Not just a compliment, hey, you look nice today, 
have a good vacation. These are nice things, but to build up. And if we are people who wear the armor of God, that includes the, the good news boots that have this readiness to share the gospel, this readiness to connect people to God, which always should be a good thing. Does it come with conviction? Absolutely. But it also comes with blessing of the gospel. And this you cannot miss if you reread Ephesians. Tychicus is one to build up. He's got the good news of the gospel ready on his feet. And he's the person that you're going to hear good news from. He's got encouragement. He's got building up to do of the church. And also, I wonder if you think about people that have encouraged you in your lifetime and the type of encouragers that we should be called to be, is that it's not just the people who bring good news, because life is not always good news. But our true encouragers are the ones who bring good news. And also, they are the people that we want to hear the bad news from. If you're going to have to endure bad news, it helps a lot to hear it from the right person. Someone that you know will hear good news from, but also who can break the bad news to you and will continue to build you up even if it seems like life is trying to tear you down. Friends, I think it is no coincidence, it is inspired that we have such an example of a Tychicus in mind at the end of this book to relate to, to put into practice that we, as the people of God, wearing the armor of God, are people who should be building one another up. And we, as a safe communion of saints, are the people and place where if we have to endure bad news, we will share it together. Tychicus is someone who just knows what's going on. Not gossipy, not let me tell you what I heard or let me paint a dramatic picture of you but someone who speaks truth, who has the belt of truth wrapped around their waist, going just back a little bit earlier in the chapter to the armor of God. No gossip, no fluff, no drama, but truth. And the truth will set you free, and the truth will build you up if the truth you seek is found in Christ. And this, the truth we seek in Christ is that Christ loves us with a truly and original, undying love. All other loves will die, but Christ's love for us was on the cross, was in the grave, and rose again. Christ's love for you is an undying, unperishable, unchangeable, unfathomable love. This is Christ's undying love for us. And our response then is to love Jesus with an undying love. Not that we are ever going to outdo Jesus. Jesus will always love us more than we can ask or imagine. But that we, in faithfulness, rise up and meet Jesus with his love. And that our love is an undying love. Different loves will fade and die. Things pass away. I wonder if the, the best example that we can uh, point to in terms of uh, what's just a dedication that does not waver. And to give away my Northwest Indiana roots a little bit, I need to give credit to the Chicago Cubs. They were an undying love of a fan base and still are. Because if you go to Detroit, you're going to see lots of Tigers hats. But you can find Cubs fans anywhere. And for what? 
People were born and died without ever seeing the Cubs win a World Series. The Cubs' fan base survived after loss, after loss, after loss. But how many Cubs fans never saw their team fully win? And worst yet, to lose against the Sox in the Crosstown Classic. The Cubs were an example of, it wasn't about what you were going to get out of it, because you were probably going to get disappointment and heartbreak. And yet, the fan base continued. A family friend of ours who works in a tile company um, always was diligent about inviting his coworkers um, to come to church with him. And one day, this guy who he never expected to cross the threshold of a church showed up. And he came a few weeks. And finally, our friend was able to ask, what was it that brought you here? He said, well, I made the same bargain with God that my dad did. If the Cubs ever won the World Series, we'd go to church. And then the Cubs won the World Series, and he had to keep up his bargain. He was banking on never having to do that. But God has a sense of humor. An undying love is that you will wear the jersey of the team, win or lose. You will not hide your face in shame when your team is losing. And I always love the Sunday morning after when Michigan plays Michigan State, because I know some people are ecstatic and some people are shame-filled. You can spot who people are a fan of. You can see the logos. You can see the jersey that people wear, the shirt, the decals, the coffee cup. You can see all of that because they're presenting that this is who they're a fan of. And I wonder if our undying love of Jesus would challenge us to ask this. If I am wearing, and I'm not, I'm not talking that we have to wear a t-shirt with a Bible verse on every day, but if you were wearing something that identified you as a Christian, if somebody knew that you were a Jesus person, that they could pick you out of a crowd, that they could see it as clearly as they can see a familiar logo of a sports team, if you could be picked out of a crowd as a Jesus follower, would you bring honor or shame to the jersey that you wear? Would it be with undying love, or would there be times where you might want to hide it a little bit? Times that you're proud, times that you're embarrassed. What we are called to, where we receive grace and peace, is when we love Jesus with an undying love, an unwavering, unfaltering love. Will there be ups and downs in our life? Yes. But is our love for Jesus an undying love? If you wear the armor of God that we covered the last few weeks, then you represent Christ. At some level or another, you wear the jersey of Jesus. You wear the logo of our Savior. And I would ask this question. Would people want Jesus if you were their frame of reference to who Jesus is? If you were the person by which people knew who Jesus was, would your life make them want Jesus? Would they want to learn what makes you how you are? And would they want Jesus? If Jesus made you the way that you are, would you make someone else want Jesus from what they see of you? I wonder what patches and logos we have on our jerseys of undying love. 
I wonder if um, we were a chronically angry person that the main thing in our reputation was that we had a horrible temper. Would that make someone want Jesus? Or would they not want Jesus because, well, I don't want to be as angry as that person. If Jesus made that person that angry, I don't want Jesus. What if we were just incredibly cynical and always stuck on what was wrong? Would that be a contagious faith? It's easy to get people cynical. But would that make us want Jesus? Man, if Jesus fills us with that kind of disappointment, then I don't think I want Jesus. Or if we were known primarily as being incredibly judgmental people, if we were known how good we were at judging, at looking down on others, at throwing those comments across the room like a dart at a balloon, if we were known for being judgmental people, would that make, us, would that make others want Jesus if that's what Jesus turned us into? You could go down the list and go through all of the potentially negative scenarios, but rather, I think we have a turning point with Tychicus to try on instead. We all have flaws, and there are times where, unfortunately, just as even our favorite teams lose, there are moments where people who know full well that we are undying love, Jesus jersey-wearing people, and we're going to mess up. And it's not going to feel good. And it does have an impact on our witness. But where grace abounds is that we get to be people out of humility who try again. And that's where I think Tychicus comes into place. If you were to build someone up, finding those types of characters who will just share more, if you were a Tychicus and you were seeking to build someone up, to encourage them, to give, to give some strength to their heart, even though we are weary, to give some courage to our fear, though we are afraid, to give some perseverance to all of our weariness, would that encourage us? Would Tychicus and us as a church of Tychicuses, I practice that one, would that make us want Jesus? So friends, my challenge this week is simple. Build someone up and be specific. Write it down now or today to make sure that you don't forget, to make sure it doesn't go by the wayside, that it's not something that you meant to get to, but then you forgot and a couple weeks pass and whatever. But rather, write down who do you want to build up? Not just your hair looks nice, you have a good shirt, nice shoes, thank you. But rather, who do you want to build up in heart? How you do that? That is up to you and God to figure out what will work best. Is it someone that needs to be reached out to or a conversation or an invitation to a coffee or a meal for fellowship? Is it a letter to be written, a text to be sent, or an email to be drafted? Whatever the case may be, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace with the belt of truth, with the good news of the gospel ready upon your feet that you may build someone up this week with an undying love of Jesus as the fuel in your soul. Choose someone to build up, to encourage, the way Tychicus was sent to the entire church of Ephesus to encourage them, to build them up, because they all share the same undying love. Write down your person. Pray about it. Figure out how best to encourage, to build up, to give strength and heart 
to someone that needs it. And once you get that done, why end at one? Let's pray. God, you have given us tools to build up. You have given us tools also to, to tear down at times, to, to bring things down, to craft and carve them, that we can remove the old to bring in the life of the new. Lord, you have given us all of this, but you have given us your Holy Spirit to testify in our hearts. You have given us your scriptures, this word that we may share to build up, to strengthen the hearts of those around us. And Lord, you have given all of us people and relationships and connections to make that we can build someone up. So wearing the jersey of the undying love of Jesus upon us with the full armor of God, move among us that we may choose someone to build up, to encourage. May we do so. And may our shared witness be a reminder among brothers and sisters in Christ of our undying love that we share, or serve as a witness and an invitation to those who do not yet know you, Lord. God, give us someone to encourage and help us to start once and to try again and to practice until we learn to sit and walk in step with you that we may encourage those around us, not with flattery, not with lies, but with truth, may we build. And as we build up one person, one at a time, just as Paul just had this one Tychicus to send to Ephesians, may we build up one person and in so doing, build your kingdom here on earth until the closing of the Lord's prayer may be known on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, for the gift of your word, we give you thanks. Amen.